Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We have a very fun show for you today. I'm Rachel Marshall, one of your co-hosts. We have Bruce Weiner, your other trusty co-host with us today, as well as Cole Pickett, who is on the Money Advantage team and doing some work in the background here today and also able to be able to participate in the show as he sees fit. So we're really excited to talk with you today about Bruce's experience in the Nelson Nash Think Tank this past week, the 2023 Think Tank. We had a really great um, conversation about this last year, Bruce, after you attended. And there was just a lot of questions and feedback and a lot that you learned that you were able to bring to our tribe and our audience and our community. And we're excited to do that again today. So I'm going to be um, picking your brain, interviewing you a little bit here today. And Bruce, this is really you in the spotlight. So thank you so much for being willing to do this show again. Yeah, this is uh, something that I look forward to every year, and we'll get into a little more of the history here in a second. But um, you know, I'm a kind of a, a, a disciple of Dan Sullivan, and Dan once made the comment that really stuck to me, and he said, "The people that are the that build the most wealth now that doesn't mean that, or I should say, revenue it doesn't mean they they hang on to the to the revenue are athletes and entertainers." And one of the things that they always do is they have coaches. And that's the, and that actually is my definition between a, um, a really good professional and just an amateur because professionals see the value of coaches and amateurs just try to figure it out themselves. Well, one of the things that I value is to continue to have mentor, mentors and coaches and professional development. Really, I think it comes down from my days as an educator coach from where we've worked on fundamentals every single season. We went back to the basics. And I think that's what the Notion Nash Think Tank helps every one of the practitioners do every year is go back to the basics. And that is really what we did this year. And I'll comment on that more deeply in just a second. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to dive in. And before we go further, Cole, I want to give you a chance to say good morning as well to anyone who's listening live and wondering who is this cool guy that is joining us on the show today? Yes. Good morning. I'm uh, Cole Pickett. I work very closely with Bruce and uh, it's my first podcast. So I'm looking forward to uh, jumping right in. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. So Bruce, you've been part of the Nelson Nash Institute for how many years now? Well, I've been part of the, it was, it was called something different at the very beginning when I was, this has been going on uh, since about 2005, but I wasn't involved until 2009. And it really did not become the Nelson Nash Institute with the practitioners program until 2013. So about 10 years. And one of the, one of the reasons is Nelson was wanted to bring people together first and to share his vision of the becoming your own banker and helping people share through a mastermind type program. 
you know, what they have learned from this, share best business practices, so on and so forth. So in the early years, which I wasn't involved in, I think, like I said, it was 2005. I wasn't involved till 2009. Um, in the year, so from 2009 to 2013, it was what I would call a normal mastermind type of situation where uh, people in the industry got together with that were like-minded and shared best business practices and what they saw going on out there. It wasn't until 2013 when the practitioners program came about that the think tank actually went what I would call to the next level. And we may want to we may want to comment on why Nelson actually decided he wanted to have a certified practitioners program. And Let's do that. Re- but before we okay, do, yeah. I'm going to um, first, I just want to give a, a tiny brief overview in case you are brand new to this show. What in the world are you guys talking about? Practitioners program? Who's Nelson Nash? Well, we think Nelson Nash is the coolest guy who ever um, lived on this earth for the most part. I mean, I, I wouldn't put him up there with Jesus, but <laughs> but he created this availability for access to a concept called the infinite banking concept that was available to people to use with specially designed whole life insurance for a long time, for nearly hundreds of years. And when you look at what he was able to uh, communicate with other people, he made it accessible. He made it usable. He made it public in terms of saying, hey, you can not only have a cash value whole life insurance policy that has a death benefit and that is accruing death benefit value over your lifetime, but you can also access and use the cash along the way. And as he made that concept much more relevant and prominent, it it became something that more and more people realize wealthy individuals are doing this. People have been doing this for decades and decades. I can do this too. So Nelson Nash is the author of the infinite banking concept. So what I would like to ask you, thank you, Marco, for chiming in from Italy today. Um, If you are listening to the show live, or if you are coming in after the fact and listening, I would love for you to be able to ask any question that you wish specifically about what is infinite banking, or if you have questions specifically for Bruce, he has attended what I would call the, probably the most elite, um, it's a think tank, but the most elite conglomeration of um, minds that are coming together and discussing infinite banking, not only to remember the principles that Nelson Nash put in place. Nelson has passed away about five years ago now, Bruce? 2019. Okay. So about four years. Four, Four years. So he's no longer living, but his legacy is living on. And the work that he did is being continued to, um, to go forward through practitioners and people who are advisors in the field. And so as they're coming together and discussing what's really important, what's relevant in the field of infinite banking and, and what problems are seen on the horizon, how they're communicating more effectively, how they're serving clients even um, better. Uh, I was going to say even more better, but that's not good English. Um, as they're doing that, we, if you have questions about that experience or what they learned or what happened in that room, this is your chance to pretend like you have gone there and ask the question to Bruce directly. So, um, so that's what I wanted to share. Bruce, you wanted to share a little bit about the, the history of why Nelson Nash thought that having a think tank would be valuable. Yeah. So in the early years um, of the think tank, you know, people were sharing and, 
and they were they were talking about what they were seeing out in the in the public as far as the infinite banking concept. Probably ought to step back a little bit. You know, Rachel's absolutely right. You were always able to do uh, what we are currently or how we are currently structuring policies to take advantage of not only the protection aspect, but also the utilization access. access. Nelson, Nelson really said, if you really analyze things, that on average, the 35% of money flows in, from you into the banking system to the banks in the form of interest that you're paying, whether it be mortgage, car, credit card, um, HELOCs, um, furniture loans, whatever type of loans you're taking. And, and so there's a big thing going on right now. People are saying, oh, Nelson down, downplayed the, the death benefit. And that's because they don't understand. It wasn't so much that he downplayed the death benefit. He was just saying that your need for protection while you're living is greater than your need for, for death benefit. Not that the death your benefit was Your need for financing. Important. Your need for financing, right? I'm sorry, need for financing. Thank you, Rachel. Need for financing was greater than the need for protection. And that is because 35 from a survey, 35% of your money is flowing away from you. And so as he developed this, this concept, because he actually felt this in the early 80s when his adjustable rate mortgage on his commercial building went from about 8% to 23%. And he actually got down on his knees and prayed to God to give him the answer. And the answer was he had built up and capitalized tens of thousands of dollars in his whole life insurance contract that he decided, oh, this makes sense. I will go borrow against my whole life insurance, pay off the loans to the banks that were charging him 23%, and then recapturing that by actually paying himself back from his normal commercial mortgage, paying that loan back to the life insurance company. Mm -hmm. And that solved the problem. He was inspired then for the next decade to get that message out so that people would take the banking function back into their, um, in their hold. And he came out with the book in 2000. Then he started doing- I grabbed this just two seconds ago because I wanted to say, if well, you yeah, have I not, did. oh, good. There we go. <laughs> Cole, where's your book? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so if you want to learn from the source, go back to his original book, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson or R. Nelson Nash, if you're looking for that on Amazon. And we're also, I'm just going to give a quick plug. We're going through a series on this podcast that is breaking down the book chapter by chapter. And so we're in the middle of that um, series right now, taking a break to have this conversation about the Nelson Nash think tank, but the stories, the principles all originate from this book. Yeah. And so he started doing 10 hour seminars across the country just to teach this concept. And what he was finding out was that people were starting to take the concept and actually market it in several different ways. Some of them he approved of, some of them he didn't approve of. And frankly, I tell people all the time, everything is marketing. What we're doing in this podcast right now is marketing. It doesn't mean that marketing is good or bad. It's just that you have to decipher if 
that particular concept or product is good or bad for you. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, you know, some of the marketing things that are going on now, they are, they, because of social media, they're actually uh, much more uh, in the forefront than they were way back in 2005, but they were, but they were ha- happening and Nelson was noticing that. And so when I, when I joined with several of our, several other of our people here in St. Louis at E3, our goal was to learn from Nelson and so to do it correctly. And then in 2013, Nelson really said, I have to take control of this because if I don't take control and put some standards of what we believe infinite banking is, then he believed it was going to get a, a bad rap. Insurance companies would suffer. Insurance and insurance contracts in general would suffer because people would have a bad connotation of it. Mm-hmm. So at that, so at that time, he developed along with Bob Murphy and Carlos Lara, who, who was actually how we found out about this in 2009, early 2009, because we went to something in Nashville, Tennessee called the Night of Clarity. We were actually trying to figure out why the mortgage crisis happened and what we could do to help our clients never have to be involved with that again. And Carlos and Bob were experts in the Federal Reserve, and they did a night of clarity explaining the mortgage crisis. So uh, coincidentally, then they they introduced us to Nelson, and then Bob and, and Carlos actually were asked to join the Nelson Nash Institute as being the board members. And then Carlos, um, uh, Bob Murphy, Dr. Bob Murphy, the economist, Nelson Nash and Nelson's son, David Stearns, who's now the president of the Nelson Nash Institute, came together and developed the practitioner's program. And the practitioner's program talks about the basics of economic, specifically Austrian economics and having good money habits. And then also the, the history of insurance, how insurance works, the mechanics of insurance, so on and so forth. So any, anybody that is a licensed insurance agent, believe it or not, people that are not licensed, I found this out over the tank, think tank uh, from David Stearns, people are not licensed but are tho- so enthralled by this, actually call David Stearns up several times a year and say, can I become a practitioner? even though they're not a licensed insurance mm-hmm. agent. And Dave, wow. David says, well, no, first you have to be a licensed insurance agent. And so they have to go through an interviewing process to make sure they have the same mindset um, that Nelson had. And then they have to understand Austrian economics. They also have to understand that we finance everything that we buy by either giving up interest or paying interest. And then they have to actually go through a proctor test, just like you would as an insurance agent. And you have to go through a mentoring program then with a certified practitioner. And uh, I was very proud because Becca Wilhite, who I mentored uh, this year, she received her NNI uh, certified practitioner at the Think Tank. And... Then you become a certified practitioner, and then you are able to participate in everything that the NNI Institute has with as far as videos, other, other brochures, and also the practitioner finder website so that you can find a practitioner that has the same mindset that you have in whatever state that you're licensed in. 
And so this hopefully enables people to find a person that was trained either directly by Nelson, like I was, or by people that were trained by Nelson to actually uphold the integrity of the actual infinite banking concept and not some of the things that are marketed as the infinite banking concept. So that's how, that's how the whole history started. Bruce, I love the, you just brought so many ideas together. And I want to just say one of the things that I was really impressed by in meeting Carlos and Bob, as well as Nelson, all personally, uh, it's very amazing to work with people who are extremely knowledgeable, very intellectual, understand things at a deep level, and then are able to explain it and come together in a way that makes sense. And um, they're not just saying, hey, here's one product, here's the way to use this one product. They're looking at it holistically across finance in general, across the Federal Reserve, across monetary policy, across economics, what Austrian economics means, what the boom and bust cycle means, what interest means. They're looking comprehensively at financial decisions that people make and realizing that we need to take as much control as possible. But they're all such amazing people, all of them. And you can talk to them. They're humans. They're they're not, um, I don't know, you know, some people are just really arrogant or, um, you know, puffed up about themselves and and just would would bash anyone who speaks differently. All of these people would have intelligent dialogue with somebody who seen who sees differently and they're they're just very wholesome individuals. I love that the whole infinite banking concept in the practitioners program is has started with such just wholesome holistic fully well-rounded people and um and I think Rachel, that says a, a lot. Yeah, let me just quickly comment on that. Uh, Becca who I've been working with for I don't know 6 months or so in the practitioner mentor program, she that was one of the things she pointed out to me because this is the first think tank that she attended. She was like, I cannot believe that the people who have been around for a long time, they knew Nelson, they've known each other for a long time, but there's she used the word clicks. She goes, There's mm-hmm. absolutely no clicks. They don't all sit together at lunch or breakfast or dinner. Everybody's sharing with the new people. Uh being very open. She goes, I can't believe how many times the practitioners have each other on their podcast and they talk. And and she was very, very impressed by that. And then of course I was talking to some other uh, brand new practitioners or practitioners that aren't brand new, but were actually at the think tank at the first time. And they, they were commenting the same thing that they, they've never been in an organization that is so willing to share things with anybody just for asking. And I think that comes down to the kind of man that Nelson was and his leadership at that particular time. Not everybody, not everybody that was in the original 2005 think tank is still around because they didn't want to be a practitioner. They didn't want to go through a certification process. They thought they were better than that. And they didn't want Nelson Nash to tell them that they had to go through this process to actually legally marketed as IBC. And IBC is a trademark. So if you see that out in social media or people are talking about IBC, if they're not a certified practitioner from the Nelson Nash Institute, 
legally and technically, they cannot really use that moniker, and yet people are using it all the time. That is one thing that's come out of the think tank that David Stearns, the president, is now telling uh, the practitioners is the Nelson Nash Institute is going to take a more active participation in talking to people and doing cease and desist to stop people from using that moniker because people and insurance companies, such as we did our podcast on Mass Mutual, are getting the idea that that the certain designs and certain products and certain strategies are IBC when they're the farthest from what Nelson was teaching as, as IBC. So yes, that, and that's all about that was preserving, really is about preserving the purity of what infinite banking really is. And I love that they created a trademark so that they had the ability to say, this is what IBC is, and this is what IBC is not. And it gives you as a customer, as a client, as an infinite banker, as a person who's going to use infinite banking, it gives you a lot of peace of mind to be able to know that you're coming into a a group of people and a, a a community, if you will, of people who are very wholesome and who are all about preserving the purity and the wholeness of really what infinite banking was all about. Because, I mean, we've talked about these on the show, the things that can be spinoffs of saying, oh, we can do it better than Nelson Nash did. Things like, uh, oh, let's use an IUL instead of a whole life insurance policy. Well, that's not true infinite banking. Let's use a policy design that's maximum paid up additions and let's get as much cash value the day one that we pay the policy premium and have almost no base premium. Well, that's also not true infinite banking. And so there can be so many things that can um, seem like they're better than the original, but you can't improve upon the original. I think just coming back to basics and to the fundamentals and the purity of what Nelson talked about in the beginning is really what allows people to have long-term wealth creation, not just something that they think is great today and then tomorrow they're going to be disenfranchised with because it didn't perform the way they expected or some problem happened and now all of a sudden IBC seems bad to them. But it's not infinite banking. It's the problem The problem that is presented to you as a thinking, researching individual is that there's a lot of information out there that can be misleading rather than coming back to the central core of what infinite banking is all about. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, this is very difficult for a lot of practitioners. They get all worked up about this. I tend to, I tend to look at this a little differently and I say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing IULs, okay, for a strategy. It's, it's just that for infinite banking purposes, there are a lot of risks to doing it. And Nelson said, you should never do that. And there, and he gave the reasons why the, you know, the, as far as they can change the fees, the, the uh, cost of insurance is, is going up the interest um, that you have to pay for the loans doesn't necessarily uh, going to be offset by a guaranteed interest. And, and it's never offset completely, but, but with it, uh, IULs, you also have some, um, you have some limitations on reduced paid up, surrendering PUAs, so on and so forth. So he said, do, do not do that. Uh, he did give it examples, you know, in the book about how you could do this with a CD and you could do this with a, a HELOC and you could do this with just cash under the mattress. It's just not as effective a way of, of doing it. And the other thing that you already mentioned, Rachel, is 
hey, I don't care if you want to do. Uh, and then Rachel, I just we just had a client the other day uh, show us a pol- a policy design with an illustration that was uh, a five percent base and a ninety five percent PUA, and they realized that this wasn't in, in their best interest. And it was, it's, and we're not saying you you shouldn't do that, but those are very very risky. It also does not follow the five things that Nelson talks about as far as his five premises. Because one of the things we've actually, five rules, we've actually not talked about is Nelson actually is helping people overcome the human condition of how they handle money, whether it's Parkinson's law or the arrival syndrome or uh, the golden rule, all those things are important. We meet with Cole and I meet with people all the time, both looking at the infinite banking system and also in our our, our wealth um, firm uh, as a financial advisor. And people are looking at the emotional aspect of money, the emotional aspect of money that's very, very important. Some people say, I want help. You just tell me how to do this because I'm not saving enough money because we live in such a cons- uh, consumer-based um, society. And there's all these these pulling in different directions. Oh, it's so this, Yeah. So this went back to these five things that Nelson said. Number one, think long-term. And we emphasize these again at the think tank. And when you're just funding a policy really quickly and parling against it right away as fast as possible, I'm not saying you can't do it, but that's not thinking long-term. Right. And don't be afraid to capitalize. Well, capitalization a lot of people will say, well, I want to do this really skinny base and a lot of PUAs because what if I have a bad year or what if I can't continue to pay this? Well, then your particular person you're working with is not actually working through your full financial picture. They're just trying to get you to buy a policy really quick because they're not taking your best interest in mind, in my opinion, because if you're afraid you can't make the premium payment, now there is flexibility here, but if you're afraid you're not making the premium payment, then your your design's not correct. I don't care if it's five ninety five or one hundred percent base. It's mm-hmm. you're not taking the th- they are not taking the time to do that. Yes, yep. and I'm going to just add to that real quick. If you think, hey, I'm just going to pay. I've got cash sitting on the side right now, and I just want to get this whole thing into my policy. Oh, this year I can put in a hundred thousand dollars. Let's get a policy started for $100,000 a year. And then all of a sudden you pay that in. And then the very next year, your $100,000 premium comes due and you say, oh, snap, I have no idea where I'm going to get this money from. That's not that's not thinking long-term. That's right. not um, in any way being proactive. That's not capitalizing properly. You need to have a strategy that's systematic and disciplined, that you have disciplined savings habits that you know in advance here's what I have saved in the past. Here's what I'm continuing to save. Here's my savings program in my financial life. Here's my plan. And going forward, I have a plan in place to be able to pay premium. It's not something that you just want to get as big of a policy in place as possible. Those kind of policies that you're only looking at first year premium, and you're not thinking about how you're going to fund it in future years, what's going to happen? You're going to either end up uh, reduce paying up as quick as possible, or you're going to end up in a situation where you're trying to cancel a policy next year because, oh, it didn't work out for me. No, that's just improper planning. It's not that the policy didn't work. It's bad planning. Yeah. And that's and that's part of the, what the Institute is trying to uh, eliminate is, is these kind of things that could cause a policy to lapse 
Thus, that person then will say, see, I told you this doesn't work. Well, it's not that the, it doesn't work. It, it, your strategy wasn't put in place properly by a, I'm not saying that you can't, you have to be a practitioner to do these properly because there's a lot of good insurance agents out there. Um, but you're more likely to, to uh, get what you want by um, having people share b- best business practices. The third one is don't steal the peas. And that simply, that simply means that if you were going to have to pay back loans to a banking institution that you were using, such as for your mortgage or for your car or for your credit card, then you better pay back your own personal bank on a consistent, consistent basis. And for there's two reasons for this. One, it is financially, it makes sense for you because you lessen the, the cost of borrowing, which is an economic value add because capital always has a cost. And then um, the other reason is, so you have more capital to use in the future for, for an opportunity. So don't steal the piece. I actually learned this. I think I've mentioned this on a podcast before. Um, I'm a University of Missouri athletic um, fan. And so when I would go to basketball games or football games, I'd actually had the privilege of sitting down with one of the best restaurateurs in Columbia, Missouri. Mm. He would off, he would off, who had opened several restaurants and he was a really good friend since the second grade of my, my father-in-law. And so we would go to all his restaurants and every time we would sit down, um, first of all, we would sit, we would stand in line just like anybody else. He didn't have his own personal table. We would sit down and we would order. And at the end of the meal, we'd all pay, including him. He'd get his credit card out and he would pay because he didn't want to steal the peas. But it was even more than that. He also didn't want his employees to see him steal the peas. And so he, he would often say, you know, I, no, I don't want all these employees to say they can't just take a sandwich out of the back or they can't just take a soda because I'm also paying. So you don't steal the peas. And the, and the fourth one is you finance everything um, that, you, that you pay for. You either give up interest. This is a hard one for people to understand. We had a comment last week um, that a person says, I still don't understand why you have to pay to borrow your own money. And what, what are you, you're paying to use your own money by giving up interest too. It's called opportunity cost loss. So people have to understand you're financing everything, whether you pay cash or whether you uh, finance it and pay a bank. And then the final one is, and this was one that Nelson added towards the end of his life, is if you don't rethink your thinking, then you're never going to understand this. You're going to just continue to do what you've always done, and you're going to continue to get what you've always gotten. And that is one of the things that uh, Cole and I are very, um, when we talk to people and interview them in our in our first meeting, is to make sure they have the right mindset. This is not going to solve your bad money habits. You have to have good money habits to actually participate in this. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, as you said, Nelson, put all these in place to overcome human nature. You mentioned really quickly Parkinson's law. That just means that you 
tend to use up all of the money that you make and it will all be spent. That's the gist of it. I mean, it's the same thing as if I have 20 minutes to do a task versus three hours to do the task, I'm still going to use the full length of time that I had available to do the same task. And so sometimes having less time allows me to be more effective or more productive in my work. Sometimes having less money allows me or less money to spend. Let's just say I have more money, but if I am paying myself first and I have uh, my, my, ability to spend money, my able to spend money is less, I'm still going to be able to accomplish most of the same things with that. And it requires more creativity, but you're going to spend everything that's available to spend. So that's Parkinson's law. And then the arrival syndrome is thinking, you know, everything and that there's nothing else to learn. And the golden rule in the way that Nelson comes at it is he who has the gold makes the rules. And what that means is that if you have money in your control, if you have capital that you can access and you can use gold, then you can make the rules, meaning you have control over your financial destiny, meaning that you then determine how am I going to use this capital? Who am I going to loan it to? How, what am I going to charge? How am I going to have that repaid to me? Because you are in a position of control and authority when you have the capital. So um, it's very important then to recognize most people don't have capital in their control. Most people spend everything they make and don't have a savings plan in place. And they're um, using that Parkinson's law to say, well, all the money has been spent. And now I've I've found reasons to assimilate into my um, lifestyle. And now I've had an increase in income. Well, now those things that I didn't, they just used to be desires before. Now those are needs in my life. And now I spend this as a, just normal life. And as you think then, Oh, I have a raise in income. It's going to solve all my problems. You'll find a way to use that as well. So Nelson was saying, instead of just falling prey to those ways of our human nature that pull us to not be our best and that pull us to not be financially in control, these rules of infinite banking allow us to pull out of those into a position of control. Um Bruce, we could go so many more places with this. We're um we have a little bit more time in the show. Marco has a question and we also, um, I'm not sure how much of this we can address here on the show, given the information that we have. Um, do you want to speak to this? Yeah, I was looking at it and yeah, I'm not sure too, because this, this goes in a, a lot of different directions, uh, but he's, it's basically, a, uh, it sounds like it's a, he needs capital um, to start this particular web radio that he has. Um, he's also from Italy. I, I'm not familiar with the, uh, the the banks in Italy or the loaning process and so on and so forth. So, Marco, we'd like to help you. Maybe if you reach out, um, uh, hello at the Money Advantage, and maybe we could talk um, uh, personally about your email situation. Yeah, email that way. Yeah. Okay. So, Rachel, one of the things I thought I'd do real quickly is kind of give you an overview of the speakers at the. Oh yes. And what they talked about. First of all. Um, to give you an update, uh, David Stearns, who now took over as the president of the Nelson National Institute, once again, he is the son-in-law, and, and Kim, his wife, was there, Nelson's daughter, and he had some opening remarks. He reminded us of how many um, contracts he has, and he has somewhere around 32, I believe it was, wow. and a lot, of, a lot of them are on the uh, grandchildren, and what Nelson did when he actually made them the owners, and that's something you can do. You can actually take one out. And then prior prior to his death, he made them the owners of the contracts. 
Now, a lot of these are very small contracts. Um, and what's interesting too, is a couple of them actually, uh, the PUAs are, had actually closed, that writer had actually closed. Here we are, here we have somebody, this is what I, this is why you need somebody to help. Nelson Nash was a experienced insurance agent. He also understood the power of PUAs. But when you have all these moving parts, even an experienced insurance agent had trouble keeping up with his particular policies. Now, now in Nelson's defense, this was before access to the inter internet, so on and so forth. So he had to he was juggling all these letters and so on and so forth. Well, and but, when you uh, say keeping up with policies, I mean that's here's premium due, the amount of premium for this particular policy. Well, this was on the 2nd of May and right. this one comes due on the 4th of May and this one's on the 15th of May and the rest are in December, but they're all different days. I mean, and then you've got loans against certain policies, but not other policies and you want to repay those loans. So you've got repayments. I mean, when, that's what Bruce means by keeping up with a lot of policies. Right, right, right. And so, and so um, David showed his current economic um, of all the policies, economic needs, not only the cash values, but also the death benefit. He didn't give me permission to share what those were, so I'm not going to do that. But it was it was significant legacy wealth that he's building. He's also has significant cash value right now in his and and whenever the opportunities come, he will do something with it. So and then Carlos Lara, who is on the board, he spoke. And he was just um, relating to us about his health because Carlos had a stroke, and uh, he's actually that. yeah he's actually in okay. He just it just affected his uh, his mind. He's ha he can he cannot read and he cannot do um, mathematics, but he can it, it, you you don't know it from just interacting with him. But oh, he's you know awesome. you know he's in his seventies, but he's still in great physical shape. Other than that, and he's going to keep. Uh, Nelson's legacy alive, and he's coming up. With, he's coming out with his own book about this. Then one of the we actually started off really, really well because we had Ryan Griggs, who works out of Texas. He's a, a younger practitioner. He's uh, he's been a practitioner for several years now, and he was mentored by James Nethery, who's was one of the original people to help Nelson build the practitioners program. And and James has been on our podcast, and he's he's just he's just a great person to help keep the legacy alive. Well, he mentored Ryan, who is an economist by trade, and he was really breaking down the idea that um, there isn't one perfect design, and you have to actually interview your clients and so on and so forth, and see what they need. And actually, Nelson showed different designs in the book. But he really, he really showed economically why having skinny base policies and PUAs might seem like a good idea now, but in a rising interest rate environment and dividends uh, going up, that there could be a possible with a modified endowment contract or a mecking of the policy, and, and which means it would become taxable in the future. So Ryan really spelled that out very, very well for us. Then the next person that uh, came on was uh, Jason and Richard Canfield, our friends from oh, Canada yeah. that we've had on, and we've been on their show. Mm -hmm. They've they actually they actually brought the group together, and we did some 
brainstorming ideas to actually make the think tank, not only the think tank better, but the practitioner's program better. So that was nice. <clears throat> then a long time, another long time practitioner, Barry Page, um, was, was actually showing how you can use IBC, not just for your particular need for financing, not for just for protection, but also showing how it can be used for income later, tax-free income later. And awesome. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how valuable that can be as well. And so um, just, it's so amazing how versatile infinite banking is. That's I would like to say as a, I would like to say as my clients from my financial advisory, they, they have a lot of my, my clients have done a really good job of, of accumulating money in tax deferred places. But I'm telling you that one of the human conditions, and I bet our listeners believe this, when they retire, they have enough income from other sources, but then they want to go do something. They want to have a nice vacation with the family, get all the family together, or they want to build their dream home. But all their money is in a tax deferred position and it, they can't stomach taking it out and paying this huge tax bill. So they end up not doing it. They don't enjoy their money. So it's another reason to have um, a, a place to store tax-free money that you can ac access is so you can enjoy your money. You know, and, and if you listen to our podcast with Dr. Wade Fowl, he also talks about this from an economic perspective, how you can actually join a, enjoy a better retirement with properly designed whole life insurance for tax-free income. So that's what Barry talked about. And then Michael Sadu from Canada and, and Anthony Fazo, who's as he's a self-proclaimed, Anthony is a self-proclaimed uh, recovering CPA because mm -hmm. he, he gave up his CPA practice because he realized that everything he was teaching as far as uh, tax deferred deferment, which was just delaying taxes, but that's, he said that's what he was always talking about was not as important as actually taking the financing into your life on the you and me level, the banking and you and me level, and then also um, the retirement, the tax-free retirement going forward. That yeah, was, Bruce, that I was just, all I had day on, on the first day. That was the first day. That My goodness. Okay. So I need to give you time to be able to cover the rest of it. But I just wanted to share one thing real quick. The idea of tax deferring is just like we talked about earlier, not thinking long-term. It sounds really nice today to say, well, I'm not going to pay tax on this money that I'm setting aside for the future. I'll think about the rest in the future. The problem is when the future comes and you're now in that long-term situation where you want to take that income, now you have to address that tax deferral that you kicked the can down the road. And now you're saying, well, ooh, now I have to actually experience this paying of taxes that I didn't want to do in, in the past. And so- um, just make sure that you're thinking about tax holistically, not just short term. Yeah. And once again, we have to get disclosures all the time. We're not tax experts, you know, and all those kind of things. You need to talk to your tax advisor, although we have a we have a whole team of CPAs and tax people here in St. Louis that advise us on all this. Um, but it is interesting when you look at things from a holistic manner and not just in silos, how you'll you'll rethink your thinking. Um Interesting, Marco. Marco, I it just uh, clarified what he was talking about. You know, banks are banks are healthy. Well, one of the reasons, but they don't give out loans to people that really need it. And 
you know, when you capitalize your own banking situation with a mutual insurance company, when you need a loan against your collateral, like you can get a loan against your collateral, your home, but you actually have to go through a whole process of application and making sure you can pay it back and so on and so forth. The bank wants to make money off of it. Well, the life insurance companies, because they, you've done a great job of capitalizing and thinking long-term, <laughs> then they don't have to worry about it. All you have to do is sign a piece of paper and you're going to get your loan. So that's a little side mar- uh, note from Marco here on. All right, let's go to day two. Well, before we go to day two, I'd like to say that there are there were six companies that actually supported and sent one or multiple representatives to the think tank, six mutual companies. And although these are in no particular order, I'd like to mention them. Not that you can't do infinite banking with other mutual companies. I just want people to understand who is actually supporting this by sending people to this two-day event and by financially you know, uh, supporting it, it by sponsoring meals and so on and so forth. Um, so here, like once again, no particular order, Emeritus, One American, Lafayette Life, Security Mutual Life, Mutual Trust Life, and Equitable, Equitable Life in Canada, all sent at least one or multiple uh, people to the think tank. All right, so uh, day two. Tim Urich, who may be the one of the oldest, if not the oldest person that helped Nelson develop the think tank, he talked about the wisdom of Nelson. And, and he believed the wisdom of Nelson was he wanted to share not only the infinite banking concept of becoming the own, bank, own banker, but he also wanted to share how this can be, be a legacy for generations to come. So generational wealth. Mm. And Nelson did that himself. When he passed away, he passed on millions of dollars to the next generation because Nelson believed in that legacy correct creation. Rachel, I know, you know, we we are really big into this, but Tim actually talked about that from, from Nelson's viewpoint. Then they actually had an they actually had an insurance company moderated panel so that the practitioners could ask questions to the insurance company because of legal reasons. We can't comment on these um, for compliance, but just to let you know that the insurance companies were there to answer any questions for the uh, practitioners. So um, just a plug. If in the future you, our community, our tribe have questions for insurance companies, you can ask them to us and we'll have a way to be able to field those questions to get answers back to you perhaps. So. Yeah, let me let me uh, let me address this. Mark Perry says the spread seems to be getting thinner these days between loan interest and the guaranteed dividend rates. So, Mark, I don't disagree with you, um, but it really isn't about uh, a rate of return. Nelson mentioned this mentions this in the book. It's more about the volume of interest, and this is a harder thing to get across to people because people are always comparing. Um, guaranteed interest and dividend rates to borrowing, borrowing rates. And actually, I think this is one of the reasons that Mass Mutual actually said that they want to kind of slow down this concept in their company, especially when it came to the designs, because 
if you're borrowing 90% of your money from the company at a 5% uh, rate and your dividend rate is 6%, then that's not a good arbitrage for them. Um, but it isn't all about that. Let me see if I can talk to this concept just a little bit. So if you have a credit card, for example, that is at 30% interest rate, and you're with a company that pays, and I'm just making these numbers up. Let's say the companies are only paying 5.5% dividend. And remember that not all that dividend gets applied to the cash value. That's very important because a lot of people, and this is, this is a misconception out there on social media. They're saying, look, you can borrow at five, you're getting a 5.5% dividend, and look, you're making money. Well, that, that is a gross amount. You're not going to get applied, especially early into the policy, that 5.5%. And even late, you know, you're going to get anywhere between 35 and 5% um, a, of an actual net growth in your policy. And the borrowing rate could be higher than that. But it, it comes down to the volume, not the rate. Here's the example. 30% credit card on $10,000 would be uh, $600 that you're paying annually for that access to cash. But if you got $100,000 of cash value and you're making a net 3%, on that volume of 100,000, you've made $3,000. So you've capitalized along the way, and there's always gonna be a cost of capital. Yes, maybe the difference is, is not that great if you were gonna borrow all of it, but that's where the uninterrupted compounding for the volume comes into. So Mark, I hope that helped you with that. Um, Roy Lee says, I'm glad more companies are starting to show support for the concept. I hope I can attend an event. Well, Ray Lee, first of all, these, these particular companies have always supported the think tank. They've always been there. We probably haven't talked about this enough. The supposed big four that come out of New York that you hear people talk about, not only do they not, and once again, that's their business model. I'm not saying they're wrong. Okay, but they do not support it. And they may actually be better to use in some cases if you're only looking at rates of return. But if you're looking at customer service and somebody that supports it, I've said this, Rachel, I don't know how many times. Probably like 60. <laughs> I mean, it's been a, long, yeah. a lot of times, Bruce. <laughs> and another thing that I've always said is you have to understand these are actuarial products. Okay. So they're not going to they're not going to outperform each other a lot greater. They're using the same mortality tables. They're using the same treasury, seventy five percent to eighty percent of of all their uh, investments are between treasuries and corporate bonds that everybody has access to. Then another fifteen to ten percent are mortgage backed uh, products. Everybody has access to it. Only a small sliver. Is going to be in securities or derivatives. So there, there's not going to be a big difference between uh, insurance companies. What you're really looking for is insurance companies that support this. I really believe that. And then you need to look at insurance companies that have set up their 
company in a way that they can support the servicing of the loans and repaying the loans. Because when you need that money, you're going to want to get that money. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think, uh, um, thank, thanks, Mark, for uh, commenting on that. And I hope- I hear Marco. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. I'll get Marco. Uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, Ray Lee says, even if you're upside down in the policy, your dividend is a set. It is offsetting, upsetting. I think he means offset. Oh yeah, offsetting otherwise flow and the interest away from the bank. Not to mention the non-tax. Uh, Ray Lee, those are all great points. I mean, thank you for doing. It. I think the most important thing is you're in control of your capital. Okay, so even if you're going backwards a little bit. Okay, I'm not saying you're you are, but even you're in control. You just you determine how you pay back the loans, when you pay back the loans, when you have access to capital. These are all points we made at the think tank. Um, When you're in, when somebody else is in control of your capital, and you have to go and ask them, or you have to go ask them for capital because you haven't capitalized, you haven't taken the time to capitalize. Then that's when you, people get into trouble. Okay, hey, Rachel, you wanted to comment on Marco. Oh, just Marco. Um, I'm going to put a comment in here as well. So, email address is hello at themoneyadvantage.com. I'll put that in as a comment so you can just copy and paste. Okay, so and Bruce, then uh, we've got okay. a couple minutes here. Do you want to finish? Oh, um, you were in the middle yeah. of day two. Yeah, and then the next one, our, our friend James Nethery talked about the simplicity of infinite banking. And he actually did the same thing that. Um, was done earlier, he actually showed that there wasn't one particular design. You actually have to you actually have to talk to the clients and show them the pros and cons and what they're trying to accomplish. Nelson had many illustrations in the book that had different design levels in them. So you know everybody that says Nelson Nash said it only do it one way means they didn't even read the book because uh, it, there's multiple ways. The next one was um, Mike Everett, a longtime friend of mine from uh, Kansas, uh, he said the, ge- the genius of Nelson Nash and educating on BY- BYOB was basically taking the banking function back. And Mike showed examples of how he helped his clients actually pay off um, the, the banking they had in their life, whether it was credit cards, whether it was um, car loans, so on and so forth. And then Finally, um, Sablu Gill actually showed what I think we're trying to show on our show is working with a team is most important because, and this is what the, the think tank is all about. Instead of being a rugged individualist, we have embraced the teamwork. That's why Cole's on a team and hopefully Cole will have his own team in, in the future. That's why you and I, Rachel, are on a team. And everybody that we work with, whether it's through E3, the Money Advantage, or the Think Tank, the Nelson Nash Institute, we all consider ourselves a team. I've used this example before. I discovered this in real life with my next door neighbor, you know, several years ago before I hired somebody to actually do my leaves. You know, it might take me eight hours to do my leaves in my yard. My next door neighbor would take him eight hours. Finally, one day we said, hey, why don't we help each other? And you know, it actually took, you know, six hours to do, you know, my my yard and six hours to do his. So it only took 12 instead of all eight, all 16 total hours. And that's because you get efficiencies that come in through this situation. So the think tank, I can pick up the phone and, and call many of these practitioners to help us 
with design. What do you think about this? So on and so forth. And so working with the Nelson Nash Institute, you're actually getting the ideas from a plethora of different practitioners. Bruce, I love that you were able to go, um, that this is something that has been on my agenda to be able to do in the future as well. And just what a wonderful testimony and testament to a great team. I love the the camaraderie and that it's not being a rugged individualist. That's what brought us to meet you in the first place. Some, I don't even know now, Bruce, seven years ago, something like that. Um, at, at least. But the whole concept of how can we make the industry better? How can we not just be confrontational and stealing and competitive against other advisors because they might steal our clients, but how instead can we be as expansive and promoting and giving as possible? And how can we really do what's best for people? And I think that is something that I'm sure everyone can feel from what you're explaining happened at the Nelson Nash think tank. So um, I don't see any specific questions about what happened at the think tank or um, questions about infinite banking. We've addressed everything that we've seen come in so far. Thank you for joining us live on the show. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here just for the sake of time, but we just want to thank you for joining in, for asking your questions, for listening, because we know that if you are here and you're interested in infinite banking, you are a person who wants to take control of your financial life, who wants to think long-term, who wants to not be afraid to capitalize, or maybe you're already not afraid to capitalize. You're in a position that you're taking control and you are thinking about how to earn interest, not just pay interest. You're thinking about how to not just leave a death benefit, but how to access capital during your lifetime, how to do what's best for you and for generations past you because you're taking control of your financial life, which means generations after you are going to benefit as well. So thank you for being here. If you have questions, you can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. You can always pop a comment into the platform of wherever you're watching this. So if you're watching on YouTube later, three months from now or five years from now, you can comment on the platform, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. I think that's all the locations that we're um, broadcasting on today. And then this also comes out on the podcast. I want to um, share as well. And now I'm probably going to have a completely wrong number. Um, so maybe I'll never mind. I'll get my data later. But our numbers have been completely or trending upwards in terms of how many downloads we're getting on the podcast each month. And I was astounded last about last week to find out how many we are actually getting in downloads per month, which is just a testament again to you as our audience who is wanting to find out the best information you can about infinite banking. So continue to share the show with others. If you like and subscribe, that makes it more available to other people who are also looking for this information. And so if you are ready to move from just the information gathering stage into becoming a user of infinite banking, and you really want to take the next steps to look at your full financial picture, figure out what will work for you to help you accomplish your goals, you can meet us over at themoneyadvantage.com. There's a button right on the front page to book a call with an advisor. And I want to mention Bruce is our lead advisor. Many times people want to meet with just Bruce. And I do want to say we have an advisor team. Everyone has been trained by Bruce. And the beauty of that is that we have the ability to serve more people and more clients and more of you because we have multiple advisors. And so you're able to meet with an advisor who's going to look at your full financial picture 
help you assess the best next steps and figure out what is going to work for you in your financial life so you can take control. So Bruce, anything else that you need to add, want to add before we close? No, up? I just, I just want to thank everybody. And, um, um, we, we didn't allow Cole cause I talked too much to, to speak today, but I actually see, I actually see the, the, the attitude of the general public getting back to the basics of infinite banking. Cole and I have done hundreds of these uh, team calls. And three or four years ago, people were going away from Nelson, but now they're coming back to the truth. Would you say that's true, Cole? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so I'm excited about just keep sharing the truth. The people that want to hear the truth will come to us. If you want to, if you don't want to hear the truth, and you want to do your own thing, go ahead. But it's not truly infinite banking. And that's okay. Go do your own. Just we just would prefer that if you have the if you rethink your thinking and you agree with the premise, you come to us and we'll we'll give you the truth and we'll help you through this. Mm. So good. And that's so encouraging. I love when people are wanting to return to the basics and the fundamentals and the things that are true and good and beautiful. And when more people are doing that, that is a positive sign for society in general, no matter how many challenges we see, no matter how many um, devastating things we see around us, no matter how many obstacles, and we can say the world's going completely mad and crazy in so many different ways. It's really encouraging when people are wanting to come back to the truth. So we're, we're going to close the show today. Thank you guys for being with us. And in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.